0: Welcome to Starving Artist, a podcast where I basically bare my soul to you, I guess. Um, I'm very excited about being able to try and express myself through this new medium because there's so much that I have to say and so much that I have to share that I think will be uh, enhanced by showing it via podcast, rather than writing it in a blog, or sharing it on Tumblr, or whatever, um, I just find it kind of cumbersome, to be honest, I just, uh, am so excited, so let's, let's talk about who I am, I guess, a little bit, um, my name's Brandon, I live in New York City, Harlem, to be exact, um, I am a creative person at heart. I love art, I love fashion, I love music, and I love politics. Um, This podcast is mainly going to be about, I don't know, just me shooting the shit with you about what's on my mind and what gets me excited and what is really inspiring me right now. And I think this episode will be a great opportunity for me to kind of, on a basic level, convey to you what it is that inspires me to my core. And I, I really want to take an opportunity to, on a basic level, show you, you know, some of my all-time favorite artists and talk about them a little bit. Talk about issues that I'm very, very passionate about. Um, I, I I'm, It's my goal with this podcast to kind of just give you a little piece of like what's inside of my head because you know much too often I find myself you know watching MSNBC or Fox News and getting fired up and then going on Facebook and ranting to the masses and if you know me and if you're friends with me on Facebook you're all too familiar with this and I think that this will be a good place for some active discussion and I'm hoping that some of my really good friends will join me on here and will participate in that discussion with me because I feel like, you know, when it comes to politics, we all have some, some, some interesting points of view and some great things to say. But um, to start off with, I think, to kind of get into the meat of this podcast, I want to start with music. And if you know me, you'll know that I am very much a feminist and I love... Music that is representative of strong women with strong points of view that uh, unabashedly like don 't give a fuck and and that 's to the core of of who I am it's, I, I love and look up to people men and women that are that represent that so I, I think it 's only fitting for me to start with my you know all time favorite band who I recently started listening to within the past two years. Um, After, you know, I left Cincinnati, which is where I'm originally from, to live in New York, I had to, you know, I I went to Parsons. Let's start off there. I'm a fashion design student, or I was a fashion design student at Parsons, the new school of, of design in Manhattan. And Uh, While I was there, you know, I, I spent lots of, you know, late nights in the studio and lots of time on public transportation on the subway, traveling late nights going back home to my apartment. And lots of times, you know, during these times I'd be waiting a lot and I would be seeing, you know, lots of interesting people and interacting with people on a level that was, you know, very kind of interesting in the sense that we are all kind of so tired but so inspired at the same time because that, that's kind of like the air of people that you see in the city because everybody is hustling to be the next big thing or just to kind of make their own statement because there's so many people here and you have to kind of be, you have to be yourself to not just get lost in the masses of people. And... You know, that's kind of what struck a chord with me with this artist. Um, my favorite band, as I was going to say, is Hole, which is fronted by Courtney Love. And if you don't know who Courtney Love is, she is the widow of Kurt Cobain, who is the lead singer of Nirvana. And, you know, if you don't know who Nirvana is, then obviously you've been living under a rock. But um, just in case you don't know, uh, Nirvana was pretty much the leading band, I don't want to say the pioneering band, but the leading band of the grunge movement in the early 90s. Um, but let's get back to Hole because for me, this album that this song is from, in particular, lived through this. It was their second album, and it kind of displayed a little bit more of a pensive and softer sound, which I I find very kind of I find it interesting because if you listen to some of their earlier work, it's very raw, very in-your-face, very like middle finger up in the air. Fuck you, I'm a woman, and I'm proud, and you aren't going to take anything away from me. But the interesting thing is is that when they kind of tried to go a little bit more mainstream with the second record, they still had that really uh, passionate fuck-you attitude, but they mixed it with something that was a lot more thoughtful and a little bit more morose. And they handled some issues, you know, like rape and, you know, feeling unwanted and being used and all of these kinds of, kinds of dark thematic elements and mixed them into this record that has this very kind of angry, sad, but very kind of in your face kind of, feel to it. And I, you know, the whole dichotomy and juxtaposition of everything, of all the elements on this album is what makes it so great to me. So without further ado, this is my all-time favorite whole song, and it's called Asking For It. Every time I listen to that song, I get chills, just because there's something about the arrangement and the vocal delivery that is just so haunting, but silently angry. And every time I hear that kind of opening guitar intro that just drives you into the first verse, it literally, it makes the hair on my arm stick up, because that opening, like, little guitar, like, hum is just so, ugh, it gives me the chills. I love it so much. And the lyrics... If you couldn't tell by listening to this song alone, Courtney Love is an amazing lyricist, and she has a way with words that are so poetic and so poignant. With lyrics in this song like, was she asking for it? Was she asking nice? Did she ask you for it? Did she ask you twice? You know, every time I hear that, it's, it's so powerful. Like, it's some powerful shit. And it, and it still relates to everything that's still going on, going on in the world today. In the world of issues dealing, you know, feminist issues with rape culture, which still runs rampant and it's still ignored. And I think that we need artists like Courtney Love or even some new artists to come out and really speak to the issues that are, that are not, I mean, and rape culture doesn't just, just doesn't happen with just women, you know, to, to believe that is naive. But women need somebody to get into the music industry and just be like, fuck you. I'm a strong woman, and I want to empower other women to be strong through their art and through showing and expressing their voices. So, you know, among tons of other reasons, you know, these that alone and this song alone is a reason why I love Courtney Love and her band Hole so much. Moving onward to another artist that is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I actually discovered her through a great friend of mine, uh, Natalie Shepard. Uh, shout out to Natalie if she's listening. Um, she, her name is Regina Spector. And Regina Spector is, again, another strong woman with. that's a great singer-songwriter. And she is also a product of New York City. Uh, she is representative of the anti-folk movement, which what came out of the East Village in Manhattan in the late '90s and early 2000s, and I love Regina Spector because she has a very avant-garde approach at times to displaying melodies and meter and lyrics, and I, I, I think that and vocals as well. I, I feel like she is the epitome epitome of, of of great music that is a little bit quirky. Now. Some of you might know Regina Spector from the show Orange is the New Black, because uh, she does sing the, um, the opening title montage theme song, uh, You've Got Time, which is a great song. But my only crit- criticism of her is that if you listen to her entire discography, you'll notice that as you know, we progress with each album, she becomes more and more and more produced. And, you know, the quality of the writing and the music and and the melodies don't lack at all. But my biggest criticism is, is that they lack the rawness of her first three albums and, you know, maybe even her fourth. But this track that I'm going to play for you is off of her third album, Soviet Kitsch, which is very near and dear to my heart. I you know, it's, it has all of my favorite Regina Spector songs on it. And it is very indicative of the spirit of, of Regina Spector because I read that she recorded this album on Christmas Day back in 2003, I want to say. And she did the entire thing on her piano in one take. And that's so impressive. And it also lends me to say that, you know, the arrangement, the arrangements... And all the songs on this album are very you know, minimal, and the instrumentation is very minimal. Uh, most of it is just her and a piano, which I absolutely love, because that's where I think that she's strongest. So, without further ado, this is Regina Spector singing Some Days.
1: Sweep up and then they leave. And you don't hear a single floorboard creak. They're so much stronger than the friends who try.
0: What a great song. It was really kind of hard for me to choose one song of hers to use, but I did know that I was going to choose an earlier Regina Spector song just because it was so uh, raw and so kind of vulnerable, and that's what I love about that album, the Soviet Kitsch album, and earlier to uh, 11.11 and songs, because there is such a vulnerability of her singing with all of this metaphorical amazingness with the lyrics and just being her in the piano singing and just being, like I said, just raw. And that song is a great illustration of that. Now, the, the instrumentation wasn't as minimal as a lot of the songs are on the record because there are some strings, which I'm assuming were added after the fact. But Regina lends herself to be... Just a really great artist that has remained kind of indie, you know, throughout the past, throughout her entire career, really. But if you listen, you'll notice that her song Fidelity, which is the song that is used, I mean, it's everywhere. That's, that's the one song that everybody knows by Regina Spector. If it's not the Orange is the New Black song, it's Fidelity because it's in every like, title credit of every rom-com that has ever existed ever. And it's also that one song that's in the background of commercials that nobody can put their finger on what it is, but they know they like it, but they don't know who sings it and they don't know where to find it. And I'm here to tell you it's Regina Spector and she's amazing and I hope you think the same. And it's kind of funny to me that this episode is turning into me being your personal DJ playing some great feminist tunes for you. And its I'm happy that it's kind of turning into that. And uh, I think, honestly, that's the direction I would really kind of like to go from this point on. I guess we'll see, uh, after I edit this all together, what I think of the flow and everything. But I, I, I know already that I want to title this episode Girl Talk because this, the trajectory of, of this podcast or this episode of this podcast so far seems to be very feminist and very dealing with feminists and women's issues, which I'm so passionate about. And I, I hope you are too, because it's very important. And this next artist and final artist that I want to share with you is Kate Nash. And I want to call this episode Girl Talk because her latest album, Girl Talk, is... A great album if you want to listen to somebody who has a lot to say about feminist issues. And Kate Nash in general is an artist that has developed a lot over her career. And we first saw her first album, uh, Made of Bricks, come out in 2007, which was a very playful and indie pop record that was very, you know... Uh, happy go-lucky very i don 't know she, but the thing about about Kate Nash is that one she's British, so she has this sarcasm and this snarkiness about her that is just so awesome, and you know she she is very kind of tongue in cheek when it comes to the way she she writes her lyrics the way that she is melodically and especially when it comes to you know her latest album girl talk she is a lot more angry and it shows a, a her a change sonically because i know that when the album was conceived it was conceived out of her being angry at her record label whom i i'm not exactly sure who they were at the time but i know that she split from her record label because she was looking to develop a sound that was a little bit more edgy and a little bit more kind of raw and a little bit more rock-influenced instead of kind of like in reference to her second album, which had, you know, a great song, great, great track list, but, you know, like the song on her second album, do wa which is very, I mean, it's short, but it's very, you know, produced, and it's very kind of sing-songy, which is great. But I feel like, you know, she felt that it was kind of artificial and she really wanted to have music, that stood for something and that was meaningful in a way that a lot of music isn't nowadays. And I had the privilege of seeing her perform this album in Columbus, Ohio about two years ago, right after the album dropped. And it was in this small bar and there might have been a hundred people there and it was so intimate and she came out on stage to this, the song, you know, the, the Don't Tell Me What to Do and Don't Tell Me What to Say, I'm not exactly sure of the title, but I do know that they, they sing it in the First Wives Club, so uh, kudos to you if you know what song that is. But she came on stage, you know, in a baby doll dress, very reminiscent of Courtney Love, with balloons and, and an all-female rock band supporting her, which was different than what she had before. And she was so alive and even though it was a small concert and it was super intimate, it, it's still to this day one of the best concerts I've ever been to. Now onto the song. The song I'm gonna play for you and the final song I'm gonna play for you is called "Rap for Rejection." And I, you know, there are so many songs on this album that I wanted to pick. Like I wanted to pick the song "Sister," and I wanted to pick the song. Um, I think I can't, what's it called? Let me look. It is called "All Talk." And both of those songs are great, but they're super serious and they're super kind of angry. And I, you know, while we've dealt with, you know, that kind of emotion so far on this podcast with the whole song, I really wanted to end on a more playful note. And so this song is very, I mean, it has a lot to say about male rejection and a lot about double standards and a lot about just being pissed off at men for being assholes. And, you know, I am a guy and I, you know, I totally see where women are coming from with this whole anger at the masculinity complex and all these double standards. So I, I'm right here with you, cheering, on, cheering you on and being fuck yeah for the cause. So this, this song is, is, is super, it, it's playful, it's fun, and I hope you enjoy it. And this is Rap for Rejection by Kate Nash.
2: I'm a I'm looking for a magazine I want to find some real cool bands But the music magazines and the real cool bands Are in the mail section and the magazines Are men's stands You're trying to tell me sexism doesn't exist If it doesn't exist, then what the fuck is this? How many boys will it destroy? How many guys and boys will it annoy? Take a good look You get your lips out And they might have high, high expectations But this is what we call cool personal rejection you undressed, but you didn't feel okay with this set.
0: Once again, that was Rap for Rejection by Kate Nash. Now, as you can see, that song is so playful. But it is kind of uh, educational in a way to you know, what women really put up with when it comes to socializing with men, straight men, I guess. And it's just funny to me because when you, she talks about the situation of a guy hitting on her and she's like I have a boyfriend and he's like bitch it was a joke aren't you a lesbian? like it's so funny and and then the fact that you know the whole chorus of the song I guess you could say it's like if you're trying to tell me sex doesn't exist well if it doesn't exist then what the fuck is this? it's so funny to me I, I think it's a very tongue in cheek song and I, I think that it was a great song to kind of end the second act of this podcast on and I'm hoping that, you know, each week that I do this, that, that by me sharing these musical artists and these songs with you, it allows you to go out and explore and discover some, some great, great uh, artists and, and, you know, get inspired because, you know, these women here are, are ones that have been inspiring me for, you know, years, and uh, I'm lucky enough to, to say that I've gotten to see one of them. You know, Regina Spector and, and Courtney Love are obviously still on my concert bucket list, Along with many, many, many other women. But like I said, I, I really hope that at least, you know, if anything, when you're listening to this, you have, you know, some good toe tappers to, you know, I guess get you through your morning commute or to get you through working on uh, your homework or whatever the hell you do. I don't know. But uh, anyway, so I, I think this is kind of, kind of conclude. The, the music portion of this podcast. To kind of end this podcast and to kind of wrap everything up, I, I want to talk about something that has, you know, been on my mind lately. And if you follow me on Facebook, you know that basically everything that I've talked about as of late has been to do with, you know, if not supporting Hillary Clinton for the, the 2016 Democratic presidential nomination it's been defending Planned Parenthood, and you know, I wanted to talk about this because I felt that it was fitting going along with you know this very first episode dealing with you know amazing feminist artists that have a lot to say and a lot to show for the creativity of women. And to wrap it all up, I, I you know I wanted to tie in a political issue that that has to deal with that. So. When it comes to Planned Parenthood, uh, I think the biggest misconception that a lot of people have is that Planned Parenthood performs abortions solely. And, you know, this just is not the case. And I am the kind of person who, I'd like to say that I'm empathetic for people that aren't as fortunate as I am, me being a white male, you know, I understand that I have a lot of privilege in the society, and I am not going to deny that, but I am also going to admit to it because I think it 's super important to use your privilege for good and it, it It really frustrates me that the men and women of the Republican Party are using the abortion issue to speak out against Planned Parenthood, which is, you know, a resource, a public service that is so important to so many low-income communities throughout this country. And let me, let me first start by saying that the percentages of abortions, you know, that are done at Planned Parenthood are, like, very small in comparison to the other services that they offer. And let's not also forget that federal funding does not go for, you know, paying for abortions. And, and 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 regardless of what you may think about abortion, you know, I'm going to go ahead here and say it, that I am pro-choice. I am not an advocate of abortion, and I don't think anybody is. No sane person gets pregnant with the intention of killing their baby. Nobody in their right mind. I mean, to each their own. But, you know, I I think that it's just ridiculous to to, to paint a picture uh, of, of people who have gotten abortions in that light. It, it's not the case at all. Nobody wants to have an abortion. And nobody wants to be put in that situation because, you know, I, I as a man, I can't empathize. But I do know that any woman that has to abort their baby be it for, you know, accidental pregnancy because she doesn't have the means to take care of it or rape or incest or anything at all, I'm sure that it's a memory that won't leave her for the rest of her life. And I I am so, I feel so sorry for those women, especially when they have to go through all of this, you know, turmoil, dealing with the abortion and then dealing with people outside of these, you know, these clinics you know, in these neighborhoods telling them that they're murderers and and that they are awful people, and that God hates them, and, and and everything. And it's just so ridiculous to me because these women did, you know, they don't take pride in killing their babies, and I, I don't think people need to shove it in their faces. And, and no matter what you think on the issue, what I want to, what I, what I really want to talk about is the implications of getting rid of Planned Parenthood because. You know, beyond abortions, we, we I mean, lastly, let me just say that if we were to get rid of abortion services where they could be done safe and sanitarily and in an environment with a person who knows what they're doing, if we were to, to, to get rid of all of that, we would be just like we were back in the 40s and the 50s where people are performing botched abortions in their basement under the table and women are dying and women are, you know, falling down the stairs in quotes, where they are, you know, not only like violently murdering their fetus, sometimes way beyond second or third term or second term, I guess I should say, or second trimester. I mean, it, it, it's just ghastly. We, we need to have these services available to women to where they can safely uh, abort their, their babies if, if it's the last resort. And we shouldn't judge them, but what I really want to talk about, like I was saying, is just the implications of, of taking away these services from from these neighborhoods. Because if you think about it, what, what Planned Parenthood, who they really service, is low income Americans who live in underprivileged neighborhoods. Now, living in New York City and living in for the past two years, I lived in Washington Heights, and then now I, I just recently moved to Harlem. I've seen communities where where, you know, people and, and I also looked at apartments in, in Bedford Stuyvesant, which is down in Brooklyn and, and it's a very, very low income neighborhood with lots of crime. But and and I've been around and I've seen, you know, the implications of, you know, when we force women to have babies that they can't take care of because they were raped or or, or whatever, you know, it it, it causes you know, them to have to use more government services, which Republicans hate. They don't want them to have to, to go on, uh, you know, public health care. And they don't want to have to pay put their tax dollars towards feeding that child with EBT or WIC. And they don't want to have to pay for that child's doctor's visits or its vaccines. Or and It's just ridiculous to me because, you know, these women didn't have the means to take care of these children to begin with. But what's most important is, is that beyond abortive services, we can prevent abortion altogether with the services that Planned Parenthood offers with you know, free sex education. Because let's face it, a lot of these lower-income communities don't have great education systems, especially when it comes to sex education and especially when it comes to understanding feminine health women's health. I'm talking about understanding what it means to take care of your body, what it means to use contraception properly, what it means to take care of yourself as a woman, knowing your body. It's, it's, it's ghastly to me that people are afraid of even saying the word vagina. So with that out of the way, you know, if we are educating people, they are going to make sexual decisions responsibly not everybody but the the resource needs to be there and above all that we need to have free contraception and and, and I understand if you're if you're catholic if you're against you know ca- co- contraception I can understand how how that would be controversial to you with you know your tax dollars going to contraception but the reality of it is is, is that people need to protect themselves. And and the idea that you should save yourself from marriage, it's unrealistic. It's not going to happen. It's not a perfect world. And this nation is not really one nation under God, whether you think that or not. That's just reality. And, and, And the thing about it is, is that we need to encourage people to protect themselves. And not only from getting pregnant, but from getting STDs. Because, you know, when you're growing up and you're in adolescence in these lower income neighborhoods, a lot of times, you know, people, I mean, it's, it's teenagers have sex. And that's just what happens. And we need to give them uh, something that will be, allow them to put their best foot forward and protect themselves. And, you know, by offering free contraception at these clinics in these neighborhoods, you know, we are helping them avoid unintended pregnancies avoiding having to get an abortion, and then avoiding these women having these babies, having no means to take care of them, and them not being able to lift themselves out of poverty by going to school or, or doing whatever. I mean, it's, what it really boils down to is it's a, it's a social mobility thing. If we give women and men the tools to put their best foot forward in life and make responsible decisions, chances are, in my book, they will. And it's important that as a government and as, you know, or as a developed country with, with, a, with a very strong government, it's important that we, even in the most minute ways, put forth an effort to get, let these people make responsible decisions and allow them to have the best life that they can have for themselves and then for their future children. And the thought is, is that if we allow these women to protect themselves and not have these unintended pregnancies that, you know, maybe down the line, after they get a two-year degree or if they go to college, and, you know, it's also important to note as a sidebar that both Hillary Clinton and uh, Senator Bernie Sanders are proposing for basically debt-free public education, public higher education. So if these women have access to that and are also available to avoid unintended pregnancies, then the idea is, is that they can lift themselves out of poverty, and then once they are stable and financially able to care for a child, that they can have a child, and then it breaks the cycle of systematic poverty and systematic oppression and keeping the rich rich and the poor poor. So it's very important that just beyond that, for that reason alone, that Planned Parenthood exists. And then lastly, I just want to talk about the fact that they also give free STD screenings and free cancer screenings. Uh, I, I'm assuming, you know, cervical cancer and, and things of that nature. And when, and like in Texas, I believe I just read, they, they have, you know, they're trying to dry up funding for Planned Parenthood and it's despicable because now women in these low-income communities can't get cancer screening, you know, affordable or free cancer screening. It's important because now somebody's mother Will possibly die because she, you know, didn't catch her cancer in time because she didn't have access to screening. And to me, that's despicable. If you want to deny women, you know, this great resource and men, because you are pro-life and you want to plaster your views all over everybody else, that, that's just it's just wrong. And in my opinion, I think that quite frankly the GOP is waging a war on women and you know i'll get into into my views on the republican party on a later episode but i just think that when you are saying no to planned parenthood because of abortion you are you are for denying women of tools basic tools to ensure that they can one lift themselves out of poverty and put their best foot forward and, and, and you know, uh, be on an upward swing in social mobility and also protecting themselves from, from deadly diseases. And whether or not you agree with abortion, let's just go ahead and agree on the fact that it's going to happen. And there's nothing you can do about it, and there's nothing that I can do about it, and nobody wants to have an abortion. And uh, I think, lastly, what I want to say is that we need to tell the GOP that when it comes to all of this this argument, the the argument that's being put forth now about them selling fetal tissue under the table, as far as I see it, this is a management issue. This isn't a program issue. I think that if this is the case, and as far as I'm concerned, fetal tissue is... I mean, when it comes to developing stem cells, it could cure lots of diseases that need to be cured because, I mean, it's important that we that we opt to research and push forward with medical research and medicine. But on that same note, if that's the case, if it's being done illegally, this is a management issue. Let's look into the management of planned parenthood and diagnose the, pro- the the problem that way. Let's not punish women for people who aren't playing by the rules. And that's my two cents on that. And I and I want to to end this podcast and end this kind of discussion with addressing a quote that I saw on MSNBC yesterday from presidential candidate uh, Ben Carson, who um, recently said that Planned Parenthood, the founder of Planned Parenthood, or one of the founders, you know, believed in eugenics and was popular with the Nazis and all of this whatever, and was talking about how he thought that Planned Parenthood was strategically placed in low-income black communities because they wanted a way to control the black population. Now, this 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 is so outrageous to me, because if you didn't know, Ben Carson is a black man. And he is somebody who, you know, I, I think he has a lot of promise. I think he's a smart guy, and I think that, you know, I think he has good intentions. But... From what I've seen, and I live in an all-black neighborhood, I live in Harlem, and it's important that these people, especially who have dealt with systematic racism and systematic oppression for hundreds of years, that we allow them to put their best foot forward and escape it, you know? Like, if we don't allow black women the opportunity to protect themselves from STDs, get proper sex education... And not only that, prevent unintended pregnancies and be able to uh, abort a pregnancy after being raped because the neighborhoods are shitty and crime runs rampant, then we can't expect them to lift themselves out of, of the systematic oppression, and we can't expect to break up these neighborhoods that are ridden with drugs and violence and crime and all of that. I mean, we have to be able to lift them up and be able to break it up break up break up all of this badness and be able to see them succeed. And that's what's most important. I think that we need to be cognizant of of rhetoric like this that is that is so damaging and just frankly not true. So I guess the the, the main the main thing that I that I want to say is that if you, regardless of where you stand, I, I think that it's important to understand that women have a, have, have a big voice in this election and that you shouldn't screw them over. And by alienating them and denying them of their health care and, uh, and allowing them the right to succeed, you are, you know, you're going to limit your votes and you, you are going to make an enemy of women. So don't wage a war on them because they will kick your ass. And I can promise you that. So to wrap everything up, I just kind of want to recap that this episode is all about strong women and standing up for women and just celebrating women in general because women are, you know, in my life have played such an important role. My mom and my grandmother and my best friends, they're all women and I want to be able to see them get a fair handshake, a fair... And a good, I want them to, I want to see them be dealt a fair hand of cards. Let's say that. Okay. So all in all, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Starving Artist. I think that's the working title. It's kind of cliche, but we'll just work with me here. We'll see what happens. And, and I, I want to, I well, first of all, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope that maybe you discovered some new songs and artists, and maybe you know you. I, I informed you a little bit about the bullshit that is being put forth by the Republican Party when it comes to women's health issues and the damaging rhetoric that is being spewed around, uh, that needs to be addressed. So I, I hope that thematically this was satisfying to you. I'm I'm happy with 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 how everything went, and I'm I'm really excited to 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 keep going with this and to keep talking to you guys and keep sharing art and pop culture and, and politics and to kind of give and give you my opinions on on what's going on in the world. So if you would like to follow me on social media, you may do so on Instagram at bs allen with three N's, That is. B S A L L E N N N, and if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I don't post much, but if you'd like to, you can follow me there at bra brandon xx. That's b r a b r a b r a n d o n x x. And also, if you're a Tumblr user, I most definitely am. You can follow me there at at xx fucking radical xx. and there is a V instead of the U in the word fucking. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope you enjoyed spending time with me. I definitely enjoyed blabbing to you. So I guess until next time, see ya.